Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation always say, God is great. But I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. God greets you in grace, God greets you in peace, God greets you in his mercy this morning, and as God has greeted you, so too greet those uh, that you are with in God's peace, grace, and mercy on this day. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. We, like, like the, the rest, were by, were by nature deserving of wrath and in need of the mercy of God.
because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
Therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make, Make every, every effort, effort to, to keep, keep the, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Lord, Lord God, God, let, let the, the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and redeemer, through Christ. Amen. Our text this morning comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Listen along. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, his food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let us... Pray, Lord, guide us by your word and by your spirit that in your light we'll see light. Guide us by your word and by your spirit that in your truth we'll find freedom and in your will discover peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we have to go just a little bit further. We've got to be close. Four childhood friends, now in our 40s, we were backpacking for three days in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle. We had been carrying 50-pound backpacks for 10 hours up a mountain, and we could not seem to reach our destination, Robbins Lake. My brother Tony has had surgeries to both of his knees. He had to stop every five minutes leaning against trees and 
Sitting on boulders, exhausted and hurting, he shot angry glances at our friend Joel, who had organized the trip. Joel took a deep breath. He reached into his pocket. He unfolded a crinkled old map of the route that his father-in-law had given him. He laid down the map on the ground, and we all hovered over it, looking at it the way that guys who know nothing about cars or motors pop their hoods open and stare at the engine when the car breaks down. He put his finger on the map. He traced the trail forward, finally stopping and tapping his finger at a place that looked as good as any. He faked confidence. This is it. Yep, yep, I think this is it. We just got to go a little bit further. He tapped the same spot on the map again. And we nodded with little hope and lots of skepticism. We picked our backpacks up again. We trudged down the trail when a scraggly bearded man in a flannel shirt and tan pants came hiking from the other direction toward us. Joel, who just seconds ago was very confident that we were going in the right direction, asked the man, do you know if we're on the path to Robbins Lake? He handed his map to the man who reached into his own backpack, and he pulled out a little leather-bound journal. It looked like an old Baptist preacher's Bible, tattered and worn with notes and notes about notes, highlights, drawings, and something that looked like a woven prayer cloth in between the pages. The stranger thumbed through his journal. He made a series of mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and ah, I see. He knelt down, he placed his journal on top of our map. He looked up at us and said, you have an old map. It doesn't show the washed out old bridge or the new bridge or Tucker's trail. You got to turn around and go back about three miles. Then you got to go about four more miles up the mountain after that. It's tough scrambling, but you should make it there before sundown. The old map was no good. Somewhere along the way, we missed our turn. We took a wrong turn and we just kept going. In order to get back on the path that we set out for ourselves, we needed to turn around and reorient ourselves with a new map that the stranger scribbled out for us. I wonder if... You've ever made a wrong turn in life and gone so far down the trail that you don't know where you are, how you ended up where you are, or maybe you don't even know where you're going anymore. Or maybe you didn't even know that you made a wrong turn. Maybe you didn't even know that you're on the wrong path, but patterns and habits Ways of being, ways of being in relationship and broken relationship and community became so ingrained that you didn't even know a different way existed anymore. One wrong turn years ago and here you are, map laid out on the ground, finger retracing where you've been, trying to figure out how you got so far off the trail, where you need to go and wondering if you can ever get back on that path again. And I wonder... If you've ever heard the call to repent, not just feeling bad for mistakes, not just feeling bad or feeling guilty about the hurts that you've caused, but a call to turn, a call to reorient your life, a call to reorient priorities and values in a way of being individually, family, being community towards a different way. John the Baptist enters the biblical story 
in the tradition of Old Testament prophets. He is an eccentric sent by God to let the people know that somewhere along the way they made a wrong turn and that the time is now to repent, to turn around. Outside of town, he stands ankle deep in an ancient river bottom that's seen this kind of thing more than you could imagine, shouting, repent, to all who would travel from Judea to Jerusalem to hear him. Repent, meaning turn around, go a different way, reorient yourself, turn. This is not who God made you to be. But to cry out, turn, means nothing if there is nothing to turn towards or to turn to. Lost on a backpacking trip. Turning is obvious. You you go back down the path from where you came until you find the way you missed and you get back stepping towards your destination. But where is John the Baptist? Matthew's Gospel want their listeners to turn from, and where are they called to turn to? Thomas Long writes, Repentance is impossible unless one is given a new way to perceive what is true and what is real. If John the Baptist had only cried out, repent, he would have been wasting his breath. People do not simply turn from one way of life. They do so when they turn towards something deeper and something truer. John gives then the location for where they should turn towards when he also cries, the kingdom of God is near. The old order of things is burning away. But in the birth of Jesus, the new way is here. Turn from the illusions of this world, turn towards God's kingdom in flesh and blood, Jesus. I came to Roseland Christian Ministries in 2000. I was a 21-year-old intern, doe-eyed, impressionable, but with a long, naughty streak in me. I was just a kid when I moved into 237 West, 109th place with Lisa Jennings and her two-year-old son, Ernest, David Palmer, and DeWitt Casey. I started to hang around the center. I went to morning prayers. I went to after-school club for kids. I drove seniors on outings and more, and sometimes I would just hang out at the drop-in center. 60 to 80 men and women would be at drop-in center lunch. One of those first months, days that I was there, I met someone named Winifred Shine. She had a twin sister named Wilma. Winifred was living on the streets, but it seemed from the little that I talked with her that she came from a good home and that she came from a mom and her twin sister who lived just down the street a few blocks. Well, that summer, there was a number of women on the street who were getting killed and left in vacant buildings, lots sometimes not found until days after they went missing or were killed. And when these women went missing and when their bodies were recovered, they were never mentioned in the news discarded in life, passed over in death. It was around the same time when a blonde-haired, blue-eyed young woman, Natalie Holloway, went missing in the Caribbean, creating a national crisis about her whereabouts. The contrast between the value of black life and white life could not have been clearer. That's not being political. It was just the truth. Well, Winifred went missing that summer, And eventually her body was found in an alley dumpster. A few days after she died, her mother came to Rosen Christian Ministries. 
along with her twin sister, Wilma. And again, I'm just an intern watching all of this happen. But they came and they met in the office space with Reverend Tony and Miss Hartz looking for a place to do a funeral. What didn't hit me until 20 years later was that they were not looking for a physical space to do a funeral. That was secondary. What they were looking for was people who believed and lived as if Winifred's life mattered. They were looking for people who believed that Winifred counted as one made in God's image. And so they talked for a little bit, they left, and a few days later the funeral was held in what's now called the Royal Cafe at Rosen Christian Ministries. It's just a little room. Way back in the day, it was the worship center. But I sat in the back with a homeless man I met earlier named Oliver Evans, and the room was packed with a colorful cast of characters. Skinner, Smokey, Will Gordon, Portia Davis, Pop Man, the forgotten and the abandoned came out in numbers that day for their own, some unwashed and others in three-piece suits. Right about the time the funeral was supposed to start, a man came in with a large vintage suitcase in his hand. He walked down the center aisle up to the front with authority. He walked and he pulled two chairs and placed them next to each other, just a few feet from the pulpit and the coffin. He pulled two chairs to the front of the church, had them facing each other. He sat in one chair and he laid down his suitcase in the other and he clicked open the suitcase which turned into a little portable organ. He turned some knobs. His hands gently touched the keyboard until he found the key he was looking for. It didn't get much volume, but we all heard it. He started playing, if anybody asks you where I'm going, I'm going up yonder. Winifred's mom processed into the room behind through the double doors, stoic and steel-faced, showing no emotion. She made her way to the casket where her daughter lay. She turned her head to a slant and stared, still stoic, still steel-faced. She stood there, and finally all the hurt and pain pushed out of her. Her head shook back and forth, and her body began to shake, and she let out a wail, and her body began to grieve, and tears began to come down her face. Family rushed to her side held onto her elbows tightly as her knees buckled, her, came, her legs came out from under her. And a great crowd of people came to support her and help her and wipe tears away as the funeral started. For the next two hours, there were testimonies and more testimonies. And there were guys that came in off the street who got up to the microphone and gave a word of encouragement to the mother and to the sister. Reverend Tony preached. Steve Turner got up and sang, Jesus loves me. And when the funeral ended, everybody gathered next door and shared a meal. There were stories, there were songs, there was scripture. There was fried chicken and cornbread and greens. It was a sacrament. In the middle of all this poverty and pain, there was so much life and energy and love and care for one another. There was so much attention and intention from the preacher, the organist, the cook, the friends giving the testimony, the community. To the world, Winifred was a Southside prostitute, her life and death not even worth a mention on the 9 o'clock news. But to this community, she was a child of God, to be wept over, 
to be sang for, to be celebrated, to be remembered. And on that day, sitting in the back row of that funeral, 21-year-old intern, I heard a call to a different life. I was offered a new map. Any other map, any other life plan was out the window for me. There was a turning from one life and a turning towards another. I believe, for me, that day was the call to repent, the call to turn, the call towards being part of a faith community. So I don't want to rush the season. Um, I do know at Starbucks they have uh, the holiday cups. I don't want to rush the church season. Um, But we're just a few weeks from Advent where we are invited to turn again and wait. To turn, wait for Jesus. To turn again towards the kingdom of God. And as we approach Advent, we are invited to imagine again what Jesus means in our lives. What Jesus means for our community, for Hope Christian Reformed Church, for Roseland Christian Reformed Church, for God's people. And could we, Hope, Roseland, I'm saying we, begin to reimagine our place in the reality of God's kingdom here and now? Could we turn again? to wherever it is that Jesus is calling us. Now, maybe that means turning from some habits and practices and going down a different path with a different map that has taken us to where we are. Maybe it means following that call or following that map into God's redemptive work in the world in a way that's new and was never expected before. Whatever that may look like for you. Earlier I quoted Thomas Long, and I'll quote him again here. He writes, To repent is to come to your senses. It's not so much something you do as something that happens. True repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry. True repentance spends more time looking to the future and saying, wow. John is calling upon those who would listen followers of Jesus Christ then and now to realize that the old order has passed away and that the new order has come. He wants his followers, those who would listen, those who follow Jesus, to redefine the way they see reality, to embrace the radical vision that God, not money, not power, not status, not fear, not disease, not death, or any other power. He wants us to turn to the radical vision that God, rules the world. John's words for this are, the kingdom of God has drawn near. In Christ, the old order has passed away. The new order is breaking in. In Christ, we are being given new maps. I don't know what that means for you. I have something of a hunch of what it means for me. I'm pretty sure it means listening for the voice of God, being prepared to throw away the old maps, and remaining open to the Spirit of God doing something new and surprising that will probably leave you saying, wow. And everyone who sees you following the map saying the same thing. Wow. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, we come to you today, first of all, thanking you for allowing us to see another day. We ask that you continue to show us grace and mercy. We ask that you continue to bless us in the midst of this storm. Lord, we thank you for keeping us safe in this pandemic. We ask that you put more love on our hearts. We ask that you bring us together, not only in spirit, but in love. We ask that you continue to bless us. We just want to pray that you keep us safe and be a fence all around us. In yours and your son's name, amen. you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May God turn his face towards you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen.